once we establish some volume, we simple exercise. I'm oh, talking so simple, like uh, a basic body weight squat, like an inline lunge, um, uh, an RDL, um, a, a calf rise, like for under time limit tension. Like keep it so simple, all at body weight, and then eventually we'll start to to add some load. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Today's episode is a bite-sized interview with Matthew Pell. To listen to the full interview with Matthew Pell, make sure to search for episode 150 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. A trend that seems to be coming through at this early on in your career is your ability to be able to recognize um, people that, um, you know, uh, impactful people, I guess, that are going to hook you up with, you know, I guess you call it networking people to, you know, they're going to get you in a foot in the door somewhere. Is that something that just came intuitively? Oh, I think I'm going to call Ben or I'm going to call so-and-so who's got a contact at North Melbourne and, and see where it goes or did someone, did a mentor help you out in that space? Um, yeah, take us through sort of your mindset in, in making those calls. Yeah, I think honestly, university gave me a pretty good, um, I suppose, grounding for that. Just in terms of, uh, I had uh, Dr. George Elias. Um, I had um, and having Colin Karushamalis, um and who else? Um, Dr. David Butterson even come in uh, to give some presentations over uh, time, and obviously having advanced resistance training courses now. Um, but I generally think, like, as a natural part of my personality as well, maybe I get it from my mum a little bit, but just getting out of my comfort zone. And I think that's something you need to really do early on in your career is knowing that you, you don't know everything. And to be honest, I don't today. And mm. um, and who is in your network and, and how can, obviously, those people around you um, obviously support the questions that you're trying to ask. Um, yeah. which might potentially, from a uh, work perspective, lead to an opportunity. With umpires before, what, what does the schedule look like for them, you know, from a periodization point of view? Is it follow a similar sort of um, load, I imagine, with, with AFL footballs in the sense that they have a, a pre-season, building them up and then getting them ready for, for games? Um, but, yeah, what does what is, what is your role look like and how does that work with, with the umpires? I imagine it would have to be fairly remote sometimes as well. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I did get to do a bit of travel around to each of the states as a part of the role as well. Um, so, which was an amazing opportunity, but just to see like how decentralised some of the the umpires are. And I suppose, particularly with the Victorian setup, uh, you do have a majority of umpires that are, um, either I suppose moved into state and and come to that particular setting because it is a real hub for it. Um, but. Uh, I just had such an appreciation for just how much run on um, that an athlete can handle. I think um, was was really my key takeaways um, yeah. at the time. Um, to see these guys run on five, six days a week, on top of obviously getting through the match <laughs> matches um, as well in some cases, because like your boundary umpires can sometimes be doubled up on a, on a weekend. So if they yeah. over on a Thursday night and they're going potentially again on a Sunday um, back then. They love the sport they play, but don't necessarily love the gym. So, and you mentioned education. What were some successful sort of methods that you've used in the past 
um, to uh, I guess with these umpires in this in this scenario to um, yeah to get buy in from the guys that don't love the gym. Yeah, um, I think we back then we tried to lean on like just some of the endurance research. Um, to be honest, just to try and establish. Um, I'd started my masters through Edith Allen um, University, and I remember looking at a lot of the um, uh, endurance training, uh, I suppose, straight training for endurance for endurance training back then. Um, but also leaning on obviously Paul Turk um, at the time with regards to like what the AFL guys were doing as a consultant. I think that's the, the beauty about having a consultant come in and, and provide a second set of eyes um, to educate the group, um, but also work with us as practitioners. Um, yeah. So that definitely, um, like looking at just the role of strength training um, in terms of brain economy and efficiency and you know, and so forth. That uh, that's that really um once we established some buy-in, we simple exercise. I'm talking so simple, like uh, a basic body weight squat, like an inline lunge, um uh an RDL, um a, a calf rise, like for under time and retention, like keep it so simple all at body weight, and then eventually we'll start to to add some load. What were some of your favorite acceleration drills? You mentioned, you know, speed out of the blocks. What were some drills that I guess pop up to mind that, that athletes could start practicing in their warm-ups or in their, their training sessions to improve that area? Yeah, I think yeah, like just go you know, really basic, like in a one v one contested situation, like literally just grappling, I suppose, with your opponent and then being able to have someone to achieve you to be able to to get out of blocks. Um, just working on that first one to three steps um, and this is really critical. Um, but then I suppose uh, what I think is really valuable and what we tried to do at speeding further was just filming. Um, so from side on, from posterior, um, actually just have a look at how you're extending from the hip, knee and ankle, um, and literally get someone to be able to have a look at that. And that's where I think like, three-point starts are really good or standing starts or a rolling start variation. For those listening in, they might be presenting um, for their first job or, or a new job or or, um, it, or it could be an assignment, whatever it might be, where there's a bit on it. Um, what are some of your key focuses are when you're putting a presentation together um, like this one? Yeah, um, it's just knowing your room and knowing the audience. Like there's no doubt about it. Um, thankfully, I had had this opportunity once before. Um, to, to present to this uh, coaching group, uh, which was amazing early on here. Um, but uh, I genuinely think by keeping it as, as simple as it possibly can, but going through some detail when you require it through, um, because they're going to uh, want to hear rationale as the NA you actually got there. And I think that's, the, that's really the, the best piece about having like objective data to be able to walk into that conversation. Um, I still think there is elements of uh, interpretation in it, uh, but the more you can understand their environment, uh, and that's something so simple is like asking questions to them and yeah. trying to create it exactly what we're doing at the moment, like trying to create a more of a discussion based around um, based around performance and, and how you're actually trying to help them I hope you enjoyed that bite-sized episode with Matthew Pell. To listen to the full interview, remember to search in your favorite podcast app, Matthew Pell, episode 150 on the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. 
I hope to see you on our next PLP live chat show.